So we begin this series uh, based out of Matthew chapter 4. And uh, man, I, this is just, just simply my favorite topic uh, to, to preach about. Uh, and it's Matthew chapter 4, verse uh, 19. And we ask this simple question, what motivated you to become a Christian? Why did, why did you become a Christian? Why did you give your life to Jesus? What was it? Was it a passionate, fiery sermon? Was it someone's testimony? Was it the promise of eternal life? Was it the promise that you wouldn't have to burn in hell? What was it? But we find the motivation for the first followers of Jesus right here in Matthew chapter 4, verse 19 and 20. Uh, and he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. No promise of eternal life, no promise of peace, no promise of the Holy Spirit power, no promise of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, none of that. Just simply follow me and I will make you fishers of men. But something in that statement, something in the power of what Jesus said, here is their response. Verse 20, immediately they left their nets and they followed him. They didn't go home and talk to their families about it. They didn't go home and, and sit around the campfire and say, well, what do you guys think? Well, what do you think? And what do you think? Hey, let's take a vote on it. Immediately, they dropped their nets and they followed Jesus. Something in his words got their attention. Um, when I was growing up, I had a lot of dreams growing up. I had a lot of ideas for my life. And some of these were put there by my parents. Others were put there by people in my life. Others were put there by things that I really loved and wanted to do. A lot of things I wanted to do in my life. One of them was I wanted to be a baseball player. Then I wanted to be an attorney. Uh, then I wanted to be a judge. Then I wanted to be a politician. And then finally, Jesus said, no, you're going to be a pastor. And I said, okay, Lord. Uh, I, and, but, you know, we have this, a lot of dreams. And, and I think we should put dreams in the lives of our kids. I think we should. I, we should inspire them. We should give them hope. We should give them ideas about what God wants to do in their life. We should inspire our kids to dream big. There's no sense in dreaming small. It's just not worth it. It's, gonna, it's just not worth it. If I dream big and I miss it a little under that, I'm still doing some good stuff in my life. But if you dream small, who cares if you fulfill it? Dream big. Dream big, dream positive things. Don't dream negative things. I want to grow up and be a loser. That's my dream in life, to grow up and be a loser. No, don't dream that. Dream positive things. And we, we should put these dreams in the hearts of our kids. Already, my kids, my seven-year-old, has been talking for two years, since he was five years old, about where he wants to go to college. Dude, you're five. You're in kindergarten. I don't care, because he wants to go to Texas A&M and play baseball. And I'm like, let's go Aggies, right? No? What's wrong with y'all? If, if I can't get a whoop out of you on that, I don't even know if you're saved. I don't even know what to tell you. I don't, I, he's like, I want to I I play football and baseball for the Aggies, Dad. And then, and then I want to go on and I want to play baseball for the Astros and maybe the Rangers. I can't quite decide. And, and, and big dreams. I'm like, oh, man, that's great. And then when he's done, he wants to be a preacher and a worship leader. I'm like, hallelujah. <laughs> so you go make millions of dollars, pay for all this stuff. And then you can come home and work for me for free. I like it. 
And, and so we have all these, these great dreams. And, and, and my daughter, man, my daughter came in one day and she said, Dad, I really want to be a school teacher. And I'm going to be honest with you. There's not many greater callings in the world than to be a school teacher, all right? My daughter wants to be a school teacher. I love it. I'm like, absolutely. Then she said, I want to go to LSU. And I said, no. <laughs> no. 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 So she agreed, okay, she'll go to Florida and be a gator. And I'm like, okay, I'll do that. We'll, we'll, we'll do that. I'm not going to lie, though. She's going to go Lamar. She can't leave me. Or something like that. I think this is wonderful to do big things and, and grow. And, you know, as, as we um, get going in our lives, you know, somewhere around, uh, you know, high school, we start to build our lives. We start to um, build who we are and what we're going to be and where we're going to go to school and what we're going to do for a living and who we're going to marry and how many kids we're going to have. And, and our life serves much like this box right here. And so that we spend the next years of our lives decorating our box. And, 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 we, and, we, and things go on our box. Like, you know, I, I don't really care what I'm going to do in my life, but here's what I do know. I want to make a lot of money. All right? That's Okay. I don't have a problem with it. Does anybody have a problem with somebody making a lot of money? I, don't, I want everybody to make a ton of money. Just have money, just run them, just, just pop, falling out of your pockets. That sounds really good to me. Right? And so, so when we start looking for jobs, it's not always about what we're good at. It's like, okay, how much money can they make? Okay, <laughs> that's all right. Uh, you know, we decide, hey, where am I going to go to church, right? And so we, we decorate our box and we, we find a good church. If you're looking for one, this is one. All right? So, so... Um, we start decorating our box, and then, uh, you know, oh, man, you know, uh, I got started really early in my life. Not not sure if uh, what was going on there, but uh, Lindsay and I got married really early, and then we had babies really early. Um, come talk to me before you do that. <laughs> we start building our family, and we decorate our box with the family, and I, and I got to have the perfect wife or the perfect husband and 2.5 kids. I don't know what the point five looks like, but we, but we start building this family. We're decorating our life. We're decorating our box with, with all these things, and, and, and all of them are good. So, you know, once you get the family, you know, what, what do we have to have next? We got to have a house. We got to have a home, right? So we're, we're decorating it. When we, when we get, oh, I've got my, first, I've got my first house. I remember when Lindsay and I got our first house. Man, we were just so excited. Couldn't afford anything in it. And a coffee table, and a, and a couch that my in-laws bought me, and, that, and and you know our our bed didn't even have a, a headboard or a footboard; it was just a mattress. But we were there, man. This is our house. We were so excited. We were just like living the dream. So excited. Hated mowing the grass. Hated mowing the grass. But man, we were just so excited. We built it like. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. So we end up building and decorating the box that we call our lives. And, you know, this is a good thing. 
And this, I, I, you know, a lot of people, I, and I hear uh, very spiritual people say that God doesn't care about all the stuff in your life, and God doesn't care about your box, and He doesn't care uh, about giving you more things, and He doesn't care about uh, making sure that life is good for you. And, and I just simply disagree. I think that's a really poor view of the Bible. Here's the bottom line. God said to Abraham, he called him out from where he was, and he says, I'm sending you to a promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey. Now, I don't really drink milk, and I'm not a really big honey fan, but apparently they were because this caused Abraham to get out of everything he was and start walking, and it became some, a, a wonderful promise of God, right? That doesn't sound like a God who doesn't care about your life and wants you to have good things and nice things. Think about this. Uh, he, he, the Bible says that Isaac um, w prospered and he multiplied 30-fold, 60-fold, and like 100-fold all in like one year because the blessings of God were on his life. That does not sound like a God who doesn't care about my box. You go throughout Scripture and you find where God was very concerned about the, Egypt, about the Israelites in Egypt. So he sent a deliverer, and he called them out of slavery. He called them out of suffering. He called them out of pain. He called them out of, of the chains of the environment and, and the world that they lived in. And he called them out back into the promised land. And he said, I have a great plan for you. I have, I have houses and cities and farms that you didn't even plant or build, and I have them for you. That sounds like a good God to me that's concerned about how I'm living. You, you, you fast forward to the New Testament. Jesus said this, I, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. He didn't say that I've had come that you might barely live. You might barely make it. That's not what Jesus said. That's not the God I serve. No, so, so I think that God is very concerned with your life. As a matter of fact, uh, next week at our, at our Friends Day, we're starting a new series called Better. It's simply called better because I believe that God has a better plan for all of our lives. He, ha he has more. He, there's better. There's better out there. And, 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 God, and we can get on track with God's plan for our life. The, the possibilities are endless. And the problem, though, is, is we have to find this balance, right? Because God is concerned. God is concerned about my box. I'm, I'm in my box and I've decorated with all these things and it's wonderful. And God is really concerned about it. But the trap is that we think that decorating our box will bring fulfillment in our life. So we get our box all decorated, right? And, uh, and I've got the jo good job making the money. I got my church. I like my church. And, uh, you know, I serve as an, an usher or a greeter or a, a sing on the praise team or I work with the nursery once a month, whatever it might be. And things are going well. I, I found the, the perfect wife. She's amazing. She's beautiful. Uh, she completes me. She's wonderful. I got the kids. God's good. Everybody's healthy. We're having a good life. And, and so we bought our house and everything's happy. And, but then we realize if, if this is what we're looking to, to complete us and fulfill us, it won't. So what do we do next? Well, ladies, we redecorate. Right? We just go redecorate and we gotta, well, see, the home is, it's no longer fulfilling me. So now what I have to do is redecorate. I need to paint that wall. We need new furniture in our living room. We need, uh, we need something in our bed. We need a new bedspread in our bedroom. I, I need a new lamp. I need a new picture on the wall. We, we need to, can you paint the outside of the house? Can you, can you paint brick? Can you do that? Uh, and we need some landscape. And so we redecorate. Guys, what do we do? 
well, our old car is not enough, so we got to go get the Escalade, right? Yeah, we got we to move up. What, what, what do we call it? A midlife crisis? Oh, you're not a car guy? Maybe you're a boat guy, right? So we go out and we get the high-dollar boat, and we think that's going to fulfill us. The problem is the search and the continual um, reaching to decorate our box does not bring fulfillment to our life. I hope that it brings enjoyment. I hope that you enjoy. The Bible says that God is a rewarder, right? And I want him to reward you. But decorating our box is often not as fulfilling as we thought it would be. Here's, here's what the Bible says in Ecclesiastes. Here's what the Bible says. Uh, he, he says, meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. What do people gain from all the labors at, at which they toil under the sun, skipping down to verse 8. All things are wearisome more than one can say. Watch this. The eye never has enough of seeing, nor the ear is full of hearing. What is he talking about here? If you just continually are looking for this to fulfill you, it will never fulfill you. You just keep looking. Once you get this boat, then you, you pull into the boat dock and you see the bigger one next to you. And you're like, hang on a minute here. You got the house, and then somebody down the road builds a new house. And you go, well, wait a second here. I thought I had a nice house on the block. Now I don't. We're going to have to fix that problem. And it is very popular in America today, trading our spouse for a better version. Because we think our spouse is the problem i got to go make more money because that's going to help me. But the eye never has enough seeing because decorating our box will not fulfill us. It's just the truth. The moment you achieve when the celebration is over and the new wears off, we start looking again. It's why there was something in these words that Jesus said. These guys were fishermen. They came from family, a family of fishermen. This is what they did, and this is what they had always done. They had fished on the Sea of Galilee. And Jesus offers them something different. Jesus offers them an invitation at something that might just bring true fulfillment. And he said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. You've been fishing for fish, building boats, mending nets, getting married and having kids and building your homes. And all that's going well, but it's not satisfying you. So let me offer you something that will bring true fulfillment. And that is to complete your God-given assignment. Regardless of our accomplishments, life can feel hollow, stale, and mundane unless we are accomplishing our God-given assignment. And that is to be fishers of men. All the stuff in the world will not fulfill you. Because you were created with eternity in your heart. 
You were created to have eternity on your mind, not just for you, but for the world around you. That's how God made you. That's how he set this thing up, that we would have eternity on our minds. Isn't it interesting that people of faith are thinking about what happens after life? And people of no faith spend a lot of time talking about how crazy it is for people of faith to think about what's coming after life. And yet everybody is talking about what happens after we die. You tracking with me? Anybody, you, know, you know any atheists? They always want to talk about it. decorating our box it's just it's, I mean I love my box listen I do I love my box in fact that's the title of my sermon today I love my box I do I do I love my life I love my wife I love my kids I love I love uh, all of our churches I love you I love what I get to do I love what, that I get to wake up every morning and, and and serve God and serve the people of God I love my life right I do but it's just living uh to build my box is not enough. You ever heard someone say, uh, you know, maybe they had a near-death experience, and, and they said to you, I guess God's just not through with me yet. Probably a true statement, right? But I would venture to guess with some measure of certainty that God is not through with you, that it has nothing to do with you making a few more bucks before you go. God's not through with me. Because I've still got to have that boat that I've, I've been wanting. <laughs> so God did a miracle, saved your life, rescued you from the jaws of death so you could drive your boat. I'm sure he wants you to have a boat. I want you to have a boat. As long as, just make sure you take me fishing with you, right? Um, <laughs> but but I, that's probably not why God saved you. Here's why he saved you. He saved you because he wants your life, your story to be a witness to the world around you. Yes, he's not through with you because there might be just one more you need to reach. There might be something in your story that can change the world around you. So when he sends you back from a moment like that, don't think that it's, well, I just, I've got to, I've got to come back so I can save a few more dollars. No, 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 no. He sent you back so you can save a few more souls. So, you know, I, I, I really do enjoy fishing, and I don't get to go as much as I'd like. I'm a little bit more of a, a hunter than I am a fisher, uh, but I enjoy fishing. Uh, and, and I'm not really the world's greatest fisherman, but I get the concept, and I understand some things. And, and uh, you know, I've been fishing most of my life, done all types of fishing, uh, mostly bass fishing and, and, uh, and some offshore fishing. Uh, when I had a, we had a boat when I was younger, and we would go uh, fishing out in Sabine Lake, and we'd fish for speckled trout, and, and we'd follow the birds, and when the, bird, the, the fish would put, push the shrimp up to the top of the water, and then the birds would come down and eat the shrimp. So you, we would drive around the lake, follow the birds, float along beside them, and just throw the lines in there, uh, for, throw the hook in the middle of where the birds were diving, and the, the fish would, I mean, they'd just, man, we'd just catch them all day, like I knew what I was doing. When I was a kid, we grew up, and we had a couple in our church that would uh, loan our family their, uh, their beach cabin at Crystal Beach for one week every month. And so every time we would go down, not every month, every year, so every time we'd go down there, my dad would take me and my sister, we were very young at the time, and we, he would take us down to the pier at Crystal Beach, and we would go fishing all night long. Just go fishing. I don't even know what we were fishing for. 
you know, this pole's bigger than I am, and I'm just like, like throwing it, and, and uh, man, we just have a lot of fun. We caught all kinds of stuff, different kinds of fish. Now, I, I had a, I've had a lot of great fishing experiences in my life, and I've picked up a few tips, and I think some of these tips will help us as we become fishers of men. I want to share them with you. Uh, the first one is simply this. Uh, fishing requires an understanding of fish. You've got to know how a fish thinks. You've got to know what he eats when he eats, how he eats, and where he eats. Here's, here's the bottom line. Don't go down to Rodare Gully and try to fish for bluefin tuna. Okay, some of you are like, I don't even know where Rodare Gully is. Okay. Don't go out to your pond in your backyard and fish for a 400-pound tuna, right? It's not that they're out in the ocean, right? Don't go fishing for perch, which is a really small fish, with a hook that's bigger than the whole fish is. You're not going to catch anything. Uh, so you got you got to have some understanding of fish. You got to understand how they think, why they think. Um, when I was a few years ago, uh, my dad and I, and uh, my brother-in-law, and my uncles, and some of our family, my father-in-law, we went on a trip to Colorado. Just just guys and we spent about a, a week up there, had a blast, and we went whitewater rafting through the Royal Gorge. Highly recommend it. We went horseback riding over the Continental Divide. Absolute blast. But one of the things we did is we went fly fishing. Well, for us, you know, bass fishermen around here and, and offshore fishers, uh, fishermen in this area, this is a very different thing. So the first thing we had to do was go to fly fishing school. And they give you this rod, and it's really small, and it's got this little weird... Um, a reel on it thing. It's not really a reel, but it's kind of a reel. And so they teach you how to work, and you have to keep your thumb up and your, you know, don't use your wrist, which is weird. You know, I, I, you know, when we grew up, you know, everything was a lot of wrist casting. No, no, not in fly fishing. You use a stiff wrist. I know you really care about this, right? And, and, and so all of us bash fishermen, we're all like, and the, and the things are going everywhere and, and the knots. And the guy was getting really angry. He's like, what are y'all doing? Don't use your wrist. And we're like, why not? You can get more whip and torque on it. He's like, no, that's not the point. And I'm like, oh, okay. So, so we had to do this, like, like, you didn't just cast. You know, like w when you're going bass fishing, you just and reel it in, right? No, no, no. You, 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 you hold the string in one hand, and you would do this out, out, out. Is this enough? Okay, now. You'd float this little bitty fly with a hook so small you couldn't even see it. And I'm like, man, I really like offshore fishing. I like a big hook. Big foot hook equals big fish equals big fun, right? They're like, you know, so we're doing this for hours. Then we go down, they put these, these chest waders on us. And they get down in this water that is sub-freezing temperature. At least it felt like it to me. And it probably wasn't. You get down in the water and you wade out about waist, waist deep. And they said, now, here's what we I want you to know. You've got to understand where the fish are. You gotta understand how the fish work. They're not just gonna be swimming out in the middle of the rapids because we're in the middle of the Arkansas River, uh, the same river that we had whitewater rafted down the day before. Now we're fishing in it. So you can imagine, you, he said, don't just throw it out in the middle of the whitewater because that looks fun. No, you gotta look for the little eddies and the little pools where it, kind of the water starts swirling. And that's where the flies will land. And then the fish eat the flies all the top of the water. So the idea is not to throw it on the other side and drag the bait through the area, but it's to just softly land it right on the top of the water like a fly would. The fish comes up and eat it, and then the fight is on. I'm like, okay, the fight is on. I got it. 
So we go out there and we wait and we're just like, the fly's still right here. Well, that, that didn't work. We're starting over again. You're not reeling. That's the whole deal. I don't even know what that thing is for. We didn't even use it. Everything is like, this does not look right. So you're all the way into the tree. Ah, so you start over again. The guide's mad at you. You're like three lures in. He's like, these things cost $7 a piece. You have a five, five lure maximum on this trip, and then you have to start buying them. I'm like, that wasn't in the memo. And then it lands. Just floating. Boom, the fight is on. Right? But you're not even reeling. You're just pulling the fish in like this. And I'm like, oh, I got him, I got him. The the the, the rod is bending way over, man. Like I've like I've got a giant redfish on the end of it. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, and I get this thing in and I pull it up. It's a fish this long. He's like, man, that's a great brown trout right there. That is a great fish. And I'm like, this is this is a minnow. This is a, I can buy this in a sardine can at Walmart right now. And he's like, no, man, that's a great fish. Turns out it was. The rest of them were like this big. That one was like eight inches. The rest were like five. And we're like, man, I, I can't, what are we doing? So all day, in the cold, water in the waders. <laughs> Way to learn. First off, can't use a big hook because the fish are little. Secondly, Make sure your bait looks exactly like the fly. I better keep moving. You know, uh, we got to understand how fish think. If you've been saved for a long time, you may not even realize it, but you've probably now learned a second language. You know, all the time you've been learning a second language. Every church, every time you came to church on Sunday, you were learning a second language. It's called Christianese. Christianese. And, uh, yeah, you know, uh, the problem is the, the, the rest of the world doesn't speak Christianese. They don't know what you're talking about. Like, they don't get it. You're, you're talking about all kind of stuff. They don't get it. I want to show you this video, and, I, and you'll, you'll get a little more picture of what I'm talking about, right? Don't be offended. I've said all these, so don't be offended. Okay, if I'm not offended, you don't be. Promise? All right, let's roll the video. Bless his heart. You think he's backsliding? I think I saw him drink. Yeah, but in moderation. I just wasn't seeing much fruit. He's going down a slippery slope. How's your heart, man? How's your heart? I'm just such a words guy. It was a total God thing. I'm blessed. I've been working on my testimony. Is that secular music? We're opening with a secular song tonight. Wait, is this a secular song? Isn't she secular? Which station's the fish? 104.3, the fish. Safe for the whole family. You know he's a believer. I think he's saved. I just pray you would give him traveling mercies. Mm. Pray for all Tyler's unspokens. Mm. Echo that. Just really like to echo Tyler's prayer, Father. I just, I echo that echo of my echo of his echo. I really feel like I'm being released from this, you know? I'm trying to be relevant. I'm just trying to be in the world, not of it. Hey, do you want to join our small group? You want to join my D group? You want to join my cell group, community group, access group, accountability group, Acts 27 group? Dude, he brought it. He brought the word. That service last night rocked me. They're pretty purpose-driven. Yeah, it's seeker. Don't they do seeker service there? I feel like he's gotten really watered down. I don't feel like he really teaches the word. There's just not enough meat, you know? Are they non-to-non? We have a great Wednesday night supper. Let's invite some dudes over and fellowship tonight. We're gonna have a sweet time of fellowshipping tonight. Dude, we had the sickest fellowship last night. We're going to extreme. Velocity. Ignite. Yeah, I'm going to ignite. The edge. The dive. The bridge. The ramp. Fire. Courageous. Passion. Echo. Reverb. Noise. Velocity. 
Drive. Elevate. Radiate. 722. 635. 419. Orange. Blue. Yellow. Green. Clear. Neon. Catalyst conference this year. I don't do that because I feel like it ruins my witness. I've been struggling with that. I'm really wrestling with that. I'm wrestling with a doubt. I need someone to hold me accountable. I'm really trying to be intentional with her. I'm pursuing her for sure. I'm trying to guard her heart. Guard her heart though, bro. Will you hold me accountable to that? Yeah, well bounce your ass. Bounce your ass. The world doesn't understand what we're talking about. Right? Be real to people. Think how fish think. You, you, we have to have an understanding of fish. We have to have an understanding of sinners. And that leads us to the second one, which is very simply, fishing requires getting dirty. Man, there's nothing clean about going fishing. There's nothing clean about it. You touch the fish to take it off. When you catch it, you've got to get it off, and it's slimy, and you're trying to hold it, and it's flopping all around, and, and you're trying to get the hook off without hooking yourself. And I'm not very good at that. I always hook myself. I'm like, oh! And then you get mad at the fish, and you're like banging the fish on the ground. This is not a good thing. And when, when Dad would take us fishing at the pier, the first thing we would do is we would stop at the front, and we would go buy this like bucket of dead fish, and we would chop them up and use them as bait. Blood and guts and nastiness, and we're just like, I'm like, what is all over my hands? And dad's like, oh, don't worry, just wipe it off on your pants. You know, thank God my wife wasn't around for that. She would have an economy sized bottle of antibacterial lotion. It was, she would have been having anxiety over it. Man, we were just like, yeah, yeah, just wipe it on your pants. Blood all over the guts, and you're just slime. Getting fishy, it, fishy, going fishing is dirty. That's just the way it is. But you know, it's nice and clean in our box, it's nice and clean in here. But I got to tell you, the fish just aren't going to jump in the box with you. So we like, you know, we don't want to get our box dirty. We don't wanna get, so we, we get some get some clean people. Pastor Brandon, you want to join? Pastor Daniel, y'all want to join? Come join me real quick. Run. Run. Yeah, hello. My pastor's paying really good attention right now. So, so guys, I want to invite y'all to come over to my box here. Come on in, man. This is my, come on, yeah, yeah, get in here. We're, we're a really close group of pastors here. And uh, we, we've been, yeah, hey, how you doing? Uh, I just got to tell you guys, uh, lifesaver. <laughs> so, <laughs> what are you trying to say? <laughs> exactly what I'm trying to say. Um, so, so, you know, it's, it's clean in my box, and I got clean people in my box, and I really appreciate it, and I thank y'all for coming over. We got a sweet time of fellowship going on right now, and, uh, and, and we, excuse me a second, and, and so, and so we, we, we like it because we don't want to get dirty, right? And we, but you know, there's an incredible parable in Luke chapter 19, I encourage you to go read it, and, and Jesus is telling this parable about how that uh, the, the businessman was leaving, going away on a trip, so he gave three of his workers each a minor or a, a denomination of money. And he said, I want you to go engage in business while I'm gone. It's one of my favorite parables in the whole Bible. And he comes back, and the first guy, he says, what would you do with the, with the money I gave you? First guy says, man, I took your one minor, and I turned it into ten. And he's like, well done. I'm giving you charge over ten cities. Next guy said, I, I, I gave you one, you gave me one minor, I turned it into five. And he says, well done. I give you charge over five cities. The next guy said, man, I put it in a handkerchief because I knew you were like a, 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 just a, a harsh ruler. So I put it in a handkerchief to make sure it would stay safe and clean. I put it in a box to make sure it would be nice and safe and clean. 
And the ruler said, I'm going to judge you with your own words, you wicked servant. Here's the point. What is he talking about? The, the, the ruler is Jesus who left and said, while I'm gone, do my work, engage in my business, the business of going fishing. And the first guy said, I'm going out there. I'm giving everything it takes. And he saved 10 souls. And the next guy came back and he saved five souls. But the third guy said, I got to hang on to my salvation. I got to make sure that in my box, everything stays clean got to keep it inside a handkerchief got to make sure i've got clean living people around me god forbid i spend too much time around sinners and then the next thing you know i messed up and dropped an s-bomb going straight to hell that's what we think right i can't be around sinners because they're 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 not living right they're not supposed to they're sinners Jesus said, at some point, you've got to get out of your box. You've got to take the salvation that he gave you. Don't put it in a handkerchief. Don't put it in a nice safe place and do nothing with it. Because one day, this is what Jesus is saying. He said, I'm going to be, you're going to be standing before me, and I'm going to say, what did you do with the salvation I gave you? I told you to be fishers of men. What did you do? I told you to engage in my business while I was gone. And you're going to say, Jesus, I know you saved me and you washed me and you cleansed me. And the only way I could live with you forever is if I came in and I was, and I, and I was forgiven of all my sins and I lived for you and I had a relationship with you. So God, I have cultivated that relationship. I kept my life safe in a box, safe in a handkerchief, and I'm bringing it back to you without any dirt or grime or nastiness on it because I stayed away from the world. And Jesus is saying, you missed the entire point. Going fishing requires getting dirty. It requires saying, guys, I love you and we'll have a sweet time of fellowship later, but I have to go, excuse me. I've got to get out of my box and I've got to step out and I've got to go where the fish are. You know, I've got to tell you, there are no fish in my living room. There's not. I don't even own an aquarium. Thank you, guys. I don't even own an aquarium. There's no fish in my living room. Lindsay and I looked up a few years ago, and uh, almost a decade ago now, and we realized we didn't have any fish in our life. We had a bunch of saved people in our life. But we didn't have any fish in our life. We had to make changes. We had to make changes. And point number three, and I'm, and I'm getting ready to uh, close now. Fishing requires determination. Fishing requires determination. In my experience with fishing, it's hard to quit <clears throat> because you just keep thinking that on the next cast, you're going to catch that fish. You haven't. You've been here for an hour and you haven't caught anything. You've been here all morning and you haven't caught anything. Fishermen, you know that feeling like, like I'm talking about? You see that stump and you just know there is a bass circling around underneath and, and around that. And if I can just get my lure in the right place on this cast, I know that that big bass is going to jump up and grab it. If I, can just, if I can just go one more time. And when we're fishing for men, we have to have the same determination. It's got to be the same thing. I can't give up. Well, they told me no. They didn't take the bait, Pastor. They wouldn't come to Friends Day with me. I tried to talk to them about Jesus and they wouldn't listen. Keep casting. 
Well, they told me they never want to hear it again. That's fine. Go to the next person. Cast again. Just keep throwing. Just keep throwing the bait in the water. Just, just keep reeling it in. Because you never know when that cast is going to be the one that makes all the difference in the world for someone. I want to leave you with this thought. It takes determination. What if the disciples, they'd seen Jesus' life, saw him do great miracles, heard him preach the best sermons that the world has ever seen, and they, they got there and they saw him on the cross, then they saw him resurrected from the dead, and, and, and they saw him ascend into the heavens. They saw all these amazing things. things that I can only imagine what it must have been like. And then they were in that room, and the Holy Spirit fell, baptized them. They had power like they had never experienced before. They had a new language. They had a new relationship with God on an entirely different level than they had ever known before. And what if in that moment they had looked around with 120 people gathered, clean folks, good folks, saved, filled with the Holy Spirit and said, really nice box we've got here. Let's not go fishing. Let's just hang out and talk about it. If they had done that, let me just tell you, you and I would not be sitting in this room today. But they spilled out of that upper room. And the first thing that they went to doing was talking about what just had just happened and talking about Jesus. And in one day, 3,000 souls were added to the church. One sermon, one moment. Why? Because they said, we're going to get out of our box and we're going to go fishing. They went fishing in a day when it was dangerous to go fishing. They went fishing in a day when they were scrutinized, when they were tormented, when they were persecuted, when they were martyred, and yet they went fishing anyway. And I got to tell you, the tide, the mindset of our country is changing. 10, 20 years ago, it was easy to fish. Now, the world seems to be getting darker. But you know what? That's when your life is needed the most. One more cast. You never know. What are you doing this week? I'm going fishing. Did you catch anything last week? No. Why are you going out there? be the next cast. When you show up in heaven, don't show up empty-handed. But when you get there, I want you to have some stories to tell about the fish you've caught. About, man, you wouldn't believe. This is, this is what, I mean, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and He said, say this, it didn't make any sense, and yet, I caught a fish. And you turn around and you look and here it comes through the gates. It's the same fish. His name was John. Her name was Sherry. Their kid's name were Matthew and Will and Destiny. Because you didn't give up. I, I want to end with a prayer this morning and and um, we're going to worship for a moment and our host is coming at the end of service we'll open these altars and have time for you to pray for anything you need in your life first off 
I want to say, Father, the times in my life when I got busy decorating my box, I was so busy chasing my dreams that I stopped fishing. You say, well, Pastor Randon, aren't, aren't you, you know, you're a pastor. Aren't, aren't you, is, isn't that your dream? Isn't your box all about fishing? It, it wasn't always for me. You see, my job and my role, they're not hinged upon whether or not I'm supposed to be a fisher. It's just simply, are you a follower? Follower? Then be a fisherman. Be a fisher of men. And so, yeah, I got to this place. I said, God, forgive me. Forgive me. Might we need to say to Jesus, Lord, I thank you for your salvation. But I'm sorry that I quit fishing. But I want to be like your disciples were that went back out. They didn't hold salvation for themselves and they didn't wrap it in a handkerchief and they didn't decorate their box, but they went back out and they went fishing and they kept grabbing more and they kept seeing more. Who is it in your life that needs Jesus? You could be the one to make all the difference in the world in their life. Just one ask just one cast. Maybe friend day is the time to get them in. Let's bow our heads. Father, I thank you for sending your son Jesus to us. That he died for us. That he forgave us of our sins that we might come into relationship with you. Lord, for those of us in this room, me included, that at times have gotten distracted building our boxes and decorating our boxes but stopped fishing Lord I pray that you would forgive us today and you would give us a chance to go back out and go fishing and however wherever we go and however we're living our lives that every day we would go with it on our mind that today I'm going to be a fisher of men that I'm going to put some bait in the water now you never know when the next cast might be the one forgive us Jesus give us a second chance give us courage Give us the same courage you have. Give us the same courage that the disciples had to go fishing. I thank you for it right now. Lord, I'm praying that this week you would speak clearly on who it is you want them to invite. Maybe it's to Friends Day, but even if not, to, to another service in the future. To tell what we've seen and tell what we know. And watch what great impact that the Holy Spirit and the work of Jesus Christ can have on their life. I thank you for it right now. In the name of Jesus, amen.